Hey there, this is post-production Jeremy checking in ahead of episode 200. Wow. So a few things. I just firstly wanted to say thank you. I'm sure I say it throughout the podcast, but what you'll find if you listen to this episode is that (laughs) I basically bit off more than I could chew, endeavoring to somehow introduce a friend of mine who is by all accounts a normie into the NFT space with some kind of basis of technical understanding and explain to them what VFriends is and recap the last 15 months. So um, as with all of these podcasts, I have not listened back to it. And for a moment, I considered omitting that first half hour where I really felt that I got way too deep in the weeds. But this journey, this podcast, this platform, this voice that I've developed over the last 16 months has never been um, an endeavor to censor. And so I think it's more fun to to put the mistakes on full display. And as, as, uh, as I think we all know, it's only a failure if you stop and give up. Um, so I'm definitely going to take another swing at this later on, but I wanted to give you that preface as you're like, wait a minute. I even say during the podcast, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've lost the audience at this point. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And and it feels very much to me, although I can't remember the specific words and phrases, I can remember the feeling of the podcast. And I think it is, uh, I think it resembles a moment in time for sure. Um, Toward the end, I felt very reflective and very confident in this experiment we're all a part of, and I'm grateful that you're a part of that with me. So I love you, my V friends, and I guess guess the one thing I should say here at 200, in case you don't make it to the end, is we are on the road to 1,000 for several platforms, for TikTok, for YouTube and for Twitch, we're on the road to 1,000. I'll leave all the links to follow in the show notes. And let's just keep getting better. Have a wonderful day and enjoy the show. Good morning and welcome back to the Jeremy Knows Podcast, where VCon never ends. I'm Jeremy the Heart Trooper number seven, and I am thrilled to bring you a special edition of the podcast. This is episode 200, and we're going to play a fun game in this episode in which I talk specifically to a friend of mine named Haley Rubin. Hi, Haley. Uh, my like close community will be like, he's talking to his fiance. No, this is a different Haley, friend from college who I ran into last week, who um, I haven't spoken to in years. So she inevitably asked me, what have you been up to? And my face went blank, deer in the headlights. How do I explain NFTs, VFriends, blockchain, decentralized communities, and all the rest in like the 30 to 70 seconds we had before she went to clock into work? And shout out, shout out Haley, who's actually listening to this podcast someday. And it seemed like a very good opportunity to make a what you missed in the last 16 months of VFriends, a NFTs and VFriends 101, a podcast for the normies, for our friends who we want to share this sort of bountiful, fun, joyful, experimental, dangerous, hyped, creative space with, without them feeling like we joined a cult and they need to like 
call our friends and family and wonder if we've been taken hostage by some like odd uh, egomaniac, um, which I think we can all acknowledge is definitely in the underbelly of all this because, you know, especially when we're like talking about revering creators and individuals, but what's going on here is so much more than um, any, any individual artist or even any individual community. So I'm going to shift my attention to my friend Haley and try to answer the question, what have I been up to? Thank you for listening to episode 200. Hey, friend. So I have spent the last 16 months not just learning, but documenting my journey in a what is by most accounts an experimental technology called blockchain and NFTs. And, you know, I kind of go back and forth, like how much of the like hard and fast nuts and bolts understanding of the tech is necessary to make someone quote unquote understand the space, the NFT space or the crypto space. And I think it's different per each person. But I really want to tell you about a specific art project and brand that came about in May that triggered this whole journey called V Friends. But in order to do that, I need to explain a few things. So this is not like a highly outlined presentation. This is me sort of running through a logical progression. And um, I'm going to start with the technology. And then I'm going to tell you about the artist, creator, and entrepreneur, Gary Vaynerchuk, of which of, of the which is the namesake for V Friends. And then I'll try to introduce you to that world without overwhelming you. So it starts with blockchain. And the reason it starts with blockchain is because anything you hear about Bitcoin, Shiba Inu, Dogecoin, crazy money, new tech, experimental memes, and anything in like the wild west that is this crypto space is all built on a technology, a foundation that is called the blockchain. And it's there's a lot of misconceptions that quickly come up. There isn't only one blockchain. There's a, there's an... A, a decentralized blockchain for Bitcoin, separately for another currency called Ethereum. And many, many more have been created for the last 12 or so years that blockchain has existed. And there's a couple things that are really re relatively simple to understand about blockchain. Number one, it is maintained by a decentralized network of computers. So you can think about decentralized transactions as opposed to the centralized transaction of like a Visa credit card swipe. So like um, that's 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 my uh, my friend Oscar who's been doing all the homework. I'm actually recording this from my mom's new house in California. I think with Oscar leaving today, all of the renovation is done. So shout out to my mom. Um, but you know, in in typical clown fashion, I have to I have to acknowledge the interruptions as they come. Uh, otherwise, it's just not as fun. So, so here we are. I want to draw a distinction between the decentralized transaction that is brand new and the centralized transaction, which we're very familiar with. This is like you go to the gas station and you insert your credit card to get gas. And the credit card machine in the pump communicates to Visa, MasterCard, Discover, some centralized corporate entity they tell the gas pump, yes, this person has 
available credit and they authorize you to spend that money for gas in this situation. Um, so the centralized entity in this example is the credit card company or it's your bank. In a decentralized transaction, uh, unlike, unlike uh, Visa or the bank or some individual database saying that you have the money you, you say you have, you have a decentralized network of what we call nodes, which are separate computer systems that all track the same ledger or record of the currencies held by any individual wallet. And they mutually confirm that you have enough currency for the transaction you're charging. And bada bing, bada boom, it goes through. It's, it's, it's the difference between the confirmation of funds happening in a singular place versus being distributed across a decentralized ledger across not tens, but hundreds and thousands of computer nodes that are all running this same uh, record. So one of the things that is, there's, there's a couple things that are quite profound about this. So the first is that by, by providing a decentralized record, each node holds a piece of the record that they, I'm sorry, not a piece, each, each node holds the entirety of the record in which they compare to the other computers. So it makes the, the possibility of fraud and a, a rewriting of the record um, much, 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 much more difficult. You'd have to control more than half of all the nodes globally that are, that are validating the record in order to make a fraudulent change that is not to the reality. There's a lot of other dynamics about like a, a, like in Bitcoin specifically, you know, there's these nodes, they engage in algorithmic equations that solve and require energy, which then quote unquote mine currencies. And there's all, all of the iterations of like how much Bitcoin or Ethereum or other currencies are mined per block of the blockchain um, are released at a time. But ultimately, Bitcoin is being viewed as a store of wealth because unlike the U.S. dollar, which the government can print more money of, which we saw a lot of in the last the recent years, the supply of Bitcoin is established from the very first block or the very first group of transactions in which the Bitcoin blockchain completed that there will always only be 21 million. And to this day, there's been some like, I want to say like 17 or 18 million Bitcoins mined. I know I might be losing you and I want to just acknowledge that like like I said I keep negotiating how much of this nuts and bolts is actually necessary to understand but for some people it's more important than others. So let's kind of just like roll it back, simplify. The blockchain has existed for a decade. It's well established and it's being used by um financial institutions, it's being used by startups, it's being used by individuals to govern their own wealth and currency. And this is like one of the really big pieces of the blockchain that I think is important and completely non-technical. It's this saying we have, which is not your keys, not your coins. This is one to remember, not your keys, not your coins. Once you can actually adopt this idea, like welcome to the blockchain and welcome to self-governance because when you have a, a cryptocurrency wallet, you have what's called a seed phrase. That seed phrase represents a cryptographic key 
that gives you access to your wallet, whatever funds you may have, whether that's Dogecoin, Bitcoin, or otherwise. And if you were to buy cryptocurrencies on an exchange like Robinhood or Coinbase or Venmo, those coins are technically not yours. They're governed by keys held by those centralized entities. But those of us who are engaging in um, self-custodied wallets and NFTs um, actually control the keys that hold our coins, which is a very profound paradigm shift. It's the first time in human history that ownership of a thing was provable, which is bizarre. But when you think about like the $1,000 you might have in the bank account, you're only able to access that $1,000 if the bank says you can. And you may be aware that like banks frequently lend out the money they have in reserve for other investments to other people who are borrowing money from them. And that's why they pay you a very, very small amount of interest. But in, in, a, in a blockchain environment in which you own your the keys to your wallet, you really own your coins. And so this led to a kind of like, boon in the concept of of ownership and so if you've engaged or heard about nfts in the news you may have heard that it's basically like owning a picture of a meme that 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 you may have heard of the most infamous board ape yacht club which are these profile pictures of ape characters that were selling for half a million dollars at one point it, there's there's a lot more nuance to it, and I'm kind of negotiating with myself. How far do I need to go in one way or the other? But um, I, th I think one like reasonable comp is um, is when we talk about photography and photography uh, photography copyright, because it's very simple. If I'm a photographer and I post my images on the on a website, that people can save those images and use them in commercial works without provide but without entering into a contract with me as the photographer who owns those rights paying me any kind of commission or royalty for the use of them and it can be very difficult for me to track them down or otherwise like exercise my rights uh over those over that copyright um but using the blockchain if i'm a photographer i can what's called mint nfts that's creating adding a line to the ledger which tracks the um, transfers, the purchases, the sales, the acquisitions, etc., of any individual asset. I can feel myself going all over the place. I'm also recording this with a live audience and people are like, wow, Jeremy's really going for this. But I believe in you, Haley, and I believe you're going to, to get a lot out of this podcast. So I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you the down and dirty. Um, but I'm going to always try to reel it back and simplify. So let's talk about NFTs. I don't know what you've seen about it so far. But it's an acronym, NFT. It stands for non-fungible token, which is such like a strange word or a strange ac acronym. I certainly hadn't encountered the word fungible until I started researching all of this. Um, but the the like the best the best synonym for fungible is interchangeable. Like if I have a dollar and you have a dollar, they're basically the same value. It doesn't matter which one you have. The same is true for Bitcoin and many other currencies on the blockchain. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. It's it doesn't matter which which one I happen to own. But where I find like it's easy to explain non-fungibility, which is basically something that is not interchangeable, something that is unique, is when it comes to 
like emotional value, experiential value, or like autographs. So I know that you're a fan of um, like different musical stars like Patti Lapone. Like if I have a playbill of one of Patti's shows and you have a playbill, maybe the fact that it's yours may give you a bit of added emotional value and you might want to keep your personal one, but it's still pretty much the same as the one I have. But if you have one that's signed by Patti Lapone and I want to trade mine that isn't, that suddenly becomes a moment in which your playbill is now non-fungible. It's unique because it has Patty's signature on it. And you can extrapolate this over and over again. Like in reality, most things in life are non-fungible. Um, snowflakes are non-fungible. People are non-fungible. You know, um, <laughs> like literally close to everything is non-fungible, which is why it's maybe not the most useful term. Somebody will come out and rebrand NFTs in, in later years, I have to imagine. But but the reason that we use the term is because it refers to a token, some record on the blockchain of either a membership pass, a piece of art, uh, a, an NFT can be a ticket, it can be a receipt, it can be any number of things that, that confer with it the rights and privileges that come with it. So I guess that brings me around to vFriends. And I think I should just like kind of put the cart before the horse here. We're like 15 minutes in and I'm not sure we have like a clear focus. The reason that this is episode 200 of a podcast is because I got very swept up in the in the idea of this project called Be Friends. So last May, um, Tyler, who I think you know, introduced me to this NFT project. I had no idea what NFTs were. Uh, and I'm just like, I'm looking back on it. Like how, how little did I know? But that's like any new venture. And, um, I, and these NFTs sold for anywhere from 2000 to like $40,000. And it was very early and I didn't even know if I would be able to afford it. And I would have to pay for it in a cryptocurrency I was accumulating called Ethereum. And so at this point in May of 2021, I only had so much Ethereum and I had bought it cheaper than where it was at. It was like over $4,000. It was like two or three times the value. And it was kind of precious to me because I had accumulated it over like literally $10 at a time for months. Um, but the reason that I ultimately decided I would spend it on an NFT was because of the creator. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk and kind of feels like it, you need a, a dedicated podcast just to talk about Gary. But he's he's a character who has a social profile. He definitely can be called an influencer. He can definitely be called a motivational speaker. He can be called many, many things. Um, but I found him in 2015 and he kind of just snuffed out my bullshit. I don't know if you have any like social profiles you follow that are a blend of motivational and practical. But that's what Gary was for me when I was like 25 and like doing good creative work, but still kind of full of shit on the professional side, you know, and, you know, as far as clown goes, so much of our comedy is based on like self-awareness and self-referential moments. And so by this point, I had already been teaching self-awareness, but he kind of that was the first unlock for me. Like he, he, he has a lot of messages about uh, gratitude self-awareness, empathy in the workplace, um, kindness as an alpha trait that I really gravitated toward. 
And in a way, I kind of saw him as a clown in the business world because he was very contrarian to a lot of like traditional business ideas. Um, there was a second moment a few years later where he posted a piece of content about regret. He was encouraging his audience to think about life in a longer term perspective and not um, not fret about the days, but focus on the years and like really make the most of life, which again, can feel like an, uh, some, uh, sometimes like empty motivational message, but then he makes it practical and he says, go to an old folks home and volunteer for a day and ask people what they remember about their life. And nine out of 10 times, those people will say, they will start by saying, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And that regret is a poison that I think a lot of us struggle with. You know, it, almost, it, it reminds us of death in a lot of ways. And, and that really landed on me. And I had for a few years been wanting to visit my grandfather who was getting older. Uh, I didn't get to see my grandmother before she passed away. And I had been putting off, you know, just taking a new contract and continuing to perform and not really getting to know him, even though I knew in the back of my mind, he was getting older and it could happen any day. And so largely because of that piece of content, which is crazy to think like, because of a two minute video, this guy triggered me to, to cancel a contract, book a flight and spend three weeks with my grandfather. And it turned out to be one of the best decisions I ever made because number one, it was just fun every day to wake up and my grandfather be totally confused. Like he was like, don't you have things to do? Like, shouldn't, do you need to go to work or like, why are you here? You know, he was, he was, he like couldn't wrap his head around the fact that I just simply wanted to spend time with him. And then he finally warmed up to it and we would like spend our evenings. Like he taught me how to like fry an egg, which I know how to fry an egg, but I didn't know how my grandfather fried an egg, you know? And I like, I got to record some audio of him, like telling me about serving in world war two and, just learning about history and some of the things that he did in life and, and also learn about his regrets. You know, like I asked him, I asked him like, what, what would he do differently? Like if he could have chose a different profession, like, is there something he would have liked to do? And uh, yeah. And he, he said he would actually like to learn about electricity and circuitry, which is kind of random, but it just goes to show you that, uh, we live many lives and there's always kind of a human appetite to, to experience more. Um, but, but he was very satisfied and, and he lived a long life. He was 93 when I visited him. And, uh, and about four months later, he passed away. Um, I wasn't there, but I, remember very clearly like the sense of that or the or rather the lack of remorse like i just felt so grateful that i had that time so anyway i could go on and on but i attributed a lot of that to gary for giving me this uh this reminder so flash forward may 2021 gary says he's going to release an nft i have no idea what this is it's art on the blockchain so i'm naturally curious but not curious enough to, to really get into it. And I didn't want to part with my precious ETH. And it turns out there's a scholarship option. One of these tokens, which like I said, was otherwise thousands of dollars, was available by a scholarship. And the only way to apply 
or the only way to get it was by application. And this was the very first day this brand had even been announced. And he comes out on media shows that day and is like, I'm going to build a legacy brand. I've created 268 characters, which I'm going to build over the next 45 years and do my best to create the next Disney or the next Pokemon or Harry Potter franchise that will affect hundreds of thousands and millions. And if I'm lucky, billions of people. And if you watch any Gary Vee content, you'll like, you'll start to hear his voice a bit. Like he is an, he is a exaggerating outrageous motherfucker, but he also puts in the work and he's, he's built a couple businesses already. So his community rallied behind him and they were very much interested in, in getting these V friends, but I was still kind of like nervous. So I saw this application token and I said, this is my best shot. And I started a Twitter that day. I started a Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And I gave myself the very simple objective or goal to post one piece of content every day and as much as possible curate information about friends. which it sounds so funny saying a year later. Um, I, I didn't have a ton of experience with that, but I figured... I figured nobody was watching. Like if I if I made something that was messy, I would have another chance later. And I just, I, it really allowed me to kind of pull off some cobwebs that had accumulated through the pandemic with social media in general. And I was having fun with it. Um, I thought for a minute that I would make like a really badass resume of sorts on Instagram and TikTok and such and stand out that way. But I realized that that's not really a value to anybody except myself and that it was really the right move to provide value to the new emerging vFriends community and help other people like me who didn't know what was going on in blockchain or NFTs and curate this information, you know, going through the launch of the project and the different benefits involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, one tweet at a time, one video at a time, I did that. And I've actually done it every day since May 5th of 2021 up to now, Friday, August 19th, 2022. And so I've emerged as a kind of accidental influencer in this community. You could tell by the name of my podcast, I named it Jeremy Knows. So Jeremy Knows Friends, and Friends Know Jeremy. This is very like fun I, I feel like I live in a, in a world all my own sometimes because there's um, there's a there's a ton of us here. There's thousands of us on Twitter and Discord, which is another platform that talk on a daily and weekly basis. And yet the reality is, is less than one percent of people in the world own an NFT and an even smaller percentage of that own a V friend or have any idea of what, what it is. Um, but. If you take a look at it, I think you'll notice why I was attracted to it, like especially coming from my comedia background. I just saw all these characters as archetypes and I was like, the improvisation that can happen by smashing two of these characters together in an encounter, giving them a problem to solve or an objective to get over, that you could use these characters to really teach an educated generation on positive attributes which is an important part of Friends I haven't mentioned yet, is of these 268 characters that Gary created, they're all centered around positive emotional skills that sound kind of corny on the face, but I think you'll agree are pretty important. So there's like patient panda, uh, passionate parrot. There's 
Empathy Elephant. There's Curious Crane and Adventurous Astronaut, Adaptable Alien. There's Witty Weasel and Serious Sperm Whale. And it, it's kind of hard to imagine how he's going to turn all these into like a Buzz Lightyear or a Mickey Mouse or like a really meaningful IP. But over the last year, we've seen sort of like the beginnings of that. And it, it really comes down to storytelling, which I know you'll understand as much as anybody. It's like the more these characters appear in media, like over, it's going to be funny if you listen to this podcast, you know, sometime this month and you're like, wow, that was really overwhelming. I'm not even sure I really got a full picture of what's going on, but thanks for the podcast. <laughs> and like in a couple of years from now, or maybe a decade or more, who knows, like it'll be very interesting to see how these characters emerge into culture because Gary as the artist and creator has promised to basically try everything. Like eventually there will be sneakers and backpacks and comic books and television series and movies. He even, I got to meet him eventually after like a year of doing this. And he told me he was considering a Broadway show. And it's, it's amazing to think that it may be the most circuitous route, but that V friends might be the most direct route for me to finally make it to Broadway. So all of that being what it is, um, I continued to I continued to make content for this community. I made a lot of friends. And then by the time the application for the Sorcerer Scholarship, which is the scholarship token I mentioned, was due in July of last year, I had spent so many hours like chatting with in chat rooms, Clubhouse, Twitter, and beyond. I don't know. I, I had made like at least a hundred really good friends and had some four or 500 followers. And it was like, eventually the, the value of these relationships is like way better than the value of this NFT. Little did I know that there would be a gold rush on NFTs and you know, my $2,000 investment, which I ultimately made in a character called the heart trooper would run up to like $60,000 and then back down again. Uh, which is a story for another time. But I guess I want to give you an impression of not just V Friends as an NFT, but also this community. So because because Gary V is has made a a brand for himself talking about emotional skills like patience and empathy and gratitude, hard work, hustle, rest, um, tenacity, curiosity, and, and the like, he's attracted a lot of people like that to him. You know, by the time he launched V Friends last May, he had 9 million followers on Twitter. And he's always been one of these fast followers with new technology. Like, if you look at his investment record, you'll be like, oh, yeah, dude's rich. Like, he invested in Tumblr. He invested in Twitter. He invested in Facebook well before they, they were the giants they are today. And so when he comes out and he says, like, Snapchat is next or TikTok is next, a lot of people have made like full on careers talking about very niche things that matter to them by following his calls. And so a lot of those people who were willing to test new technology, were willing to to take risks in in early products and services that were being offered digitally, like, you know, like another example is he was the first person to ever buy the Google ad word for wine the same day it came out. So he really presented NFTs as another another iteration of uh, new technology about to change the world. And I think time will tell whether it was really it was really right now or if it will take another five or 10 years before this all plays out. 
but those but to come back to the community those people who um who saw his previous track record were the ones who jumped into the project and got into this wild world of nfts and they're also the ones that are already entrepreneurs and already idea makers and self-starters and and networkers and and passionate people and so i vibed with all of that and what happens next i don't know let me take a breath all right we've taken a breath and i want to do my best to give you a little recap because there have been some like wild hills and valleys throughout this entire process because you know we're collecting art on the blockchain but it's more than that because sometimes you're collecting like a membership pass to a club sometimes you're getting like inside access to an artist sometimes it's just a digital ticket to a physical event and that was really the premise of v friends even though gary laid out this whole vision of developing an ip for these 268 characters he offered up a convention called vcon that he would do for the next three years of which your vfriends nft was the only way to get access and that was i think the very logical value proposition that a lot of people were able to rally behind although there was definitely a lot of people who like me just wanted to support gary for all the things that he had provided and value to us there were a lot of people who when looking at an investment needed something on the back end to say i understand this this is logical i can i can justify this expense because as i said it's thousands of dollars and if you if you as you listen to this podcast if you google v friends or v friends series one you'll see that the art itself which was done by gary v is not exactly something to write home about i wouldn't call it refined it's well-intentioned it's perhaps inspired but it's by no means refined um so so we have the vcon and as i was saying earlier i make as i was making more and more content and making more and more relationships with people in the community i realized that every day i spent making this content whether i won this scholarship or not i was building relationships with people i would eventually meet sometime the following year at this vcon um but there's a lot of different layers of volatility right you have the volatility of the nfts themselves going up or down in value but they are tracked in a cryptocurrency value in Ethereum. And so Ethereum goes on these wild swings. You know, at the time I bought my V friend, Ethereum was worth $4,000. And then two months later, it was worth $1,800. And then it went back up and came back down and went back up and came back down. And, um, and I think that's why I, I like want to sort of frame a welcome to V friends around the community because I think most people would agree that the most consistent aspect of vFriends has been the community. It's like-minded people who believe in hard work and patience and kindness um, rallying together around a vision of something for the future. Now, whether or not vFriends can become a legacy IP like Disney or anything in that league is is yet to be seen and, and really the responsibility of, of Gary and the team that he creates but in the meantime, there's been so much good fortune and um, goodwill provided between the people that were sort of brought together by these NFTs. So I'm gonna do my best to give you a little introduction to it all right now. As I said, VFriends is an intellectual property 
created by Gary Vaynerchuk in order to educate and proliferate the most important human attributes, according to Gary. These are a lot of soft skills like gratitude, empathy, patience, curiosity, tenacity, um, hard work, witty, gritty, persistent, fearless, and on and on and on. And each of those attributes has a, a character that's associated with it. When he released the first collection, of which there are now several, uh, there were 10,255 of them, which is a pretty uh, scarce asset on the blockchain. We're seeing a lot of other collections emerge with also 10,000. And, and so um, about a year later, he released a Series 2 with 55,000 in which this artwork transformed or quote unquote evolved into a second generation. But there was a lot of groundwork laid from that first to the second collection. So let's take you from May 2021. We first see a push into access as being one of the one of the greatest value offers that a creator or artist can offer their community. So there were 300 tokens that specifically, if you were the owner of them, gave you direct access to Gary V, which is a very cool mechanic and something I actually integrated into my own NFT project. So for example, he has five characters with a FaceTime moniker. So there's the FaceTime Fly, FaceTime Flea, Fox, um, Five, and Face time frog and each of these tokens if you own it gives you a five minute facetime with gary that might sound kind of absurd when you find out that people are paying tens of thousands of dollars for this nft and this access but um by all accounts by most accounts at least he's been able to provide a lot of swift value it's kind of it's kind of mystical the way that gary can kind of like get to what someone's actually asking in their question and and get to the root of like what do they actually want to happen i think he has a great intuition in that regard but there were a lot of other variations of this like there's a gone fishing fish which is only one in the collection and if you own it you get to go fishing for three hours with gary in the hudson river which actually happened this year uh there's a bowling boa where you and the other seven or eight bowling boas go to a bowling alley and bowl with gary and it's like it's such a fun combination of things that are fun for Gary, but clearly also provide value to these holders. And so in launching this 10,000 token project, he also wanted to pave the way to show other influencers and people who had existing audiences that he anticipated would, would later onboard their communities into NFTs and blockchain, the quote unquote right way to do it. Something that has real value, like access to a physical event and something that scales the amount of access that is provided from a community to a creator. Um, at least those were my biggest takeaways early on. And then the very like slow and patient work began because as you can imagine, whether it's making a TV show or a video game or otherwise, these things take a lot of time. And so in the meantime, vFriends introduced the community to several other projects, other NFT projects from different artists, some uh, with a gaming focus, some with an education focus, some uh, strictly about profile pictures and sort of digital identity. And at that same time, we saw, a, I want to call it a renaissance, but certainly like a, a large trend of PFP or profile picture projects. 
little known fact for the uh, for the NFT community that's listening, PFP actually doesn't stand for profile picture. It stands for picture for proof. And that's very important to this community because there's emerged a kind of like respect for the owner of these NFTs that you only use a picture if you only use an NFT as a profile picture if you actually own it, that sort of picture for proof. Anyway, Gary kind of accurately prophesized what was already happening that happened a lot more, which is as more and more people see the money that is coming into the space, you know, a lot of big institutions like Apple, Tesla, uh, JP Morgan Chase, Visa, and others started buying and investing in crypto. A lot more people were making NFT projects. There's a lot of layers to all this. Good actors, bad actors, gold rush, uh, investors with little knowledge of what they're actually investing in. Very like kind of kind of like the full spectrum of human experience, honestly, throughout the entire NFT space. But as far as VFriends was related, it was it was mainly the anticipation of what would come with building these characters and VCon. Uh, so in that time, they released a couple of like mini drops, which are art-based collections that they shared for specific token holders. Um, they sent the artwork from the original VFriends to the Christie's Art Auction House, which is a wild story because um, Christie's Art House is a legacy art auction house from Europe. They've been in existence for like, I want to say 200 years or nearly 200 years. And they've auctioned some of the greatest artists in the world. So in a, in a modern art auction, Gary V's doodles, which are, as I said, very elementary art were auctioned alongside artists like Andy Warhol and Rembrandt and James Pollock or Jackson Pollock. And, um, and because I had, uh, had gathered some of the community on Twitter, I was actually lucky enough or, or dumb enough to lead an effort to actually organize the community to mutually bid at that auction. I shouldn't say dumb enough, but I was definitely naive in like how much work that involved. Like I actually sent out a tweet that said, here's a wild idea. What if we all threw in a little money and bid on this art? And, um, and it was, a I feel like it was a very seminal moment for the community because it banded together more than 250 people in the community to throw in a bit of money. We raised multiple six figures over the course of two and a half weeks. And I bid on the community's behalf and we actually won a work of art at the Christie's art auction house by the title of gratitude gorilla. And, uh, and it's currently sitting in a safe house in Delaware temperature controlled, insured and protected. Um, and it's just like one of these adventures that I don't know, I feel like I'm in a bit of a rant now, but I'm a bit nostalgic and just grateful for the wild ride that I haven't had to do alone. Um, that I've had the support and the mm, yeah, the support and the guidance of all my new friends here. Um, I think at that time, that was September you know, we, we, we were leading into October and then a new NFT drop that was teased for December. So there's a new collection in the VFriend world called Book Games. I love that you're listening to this podcast, but I'm, I'm almost getting tired hearing myself talk with how complicated all this shit can be. 
Book Games is like a whole nother world on its own. It happens on the Ethereum blockchain, but on what's called a layer two that's more gas efficient and um, presumably faster. Um, this collection is deflationary. I don't know if you're familiar with that word, but deflationary refers to a supply that reduces over time. So the American dollar is inflationary. A deflationary supply starts high, then goes lower. So this book games collection started at 125,000 tokens. And it was kind of a genius marketing play at the time. Gary had already written five best-selling New York Times best-selling novels. Uh, novels, the wrong word. Books. They were mostly... Um, business books around like different strategies for utilizing social media to build a, a personal brand or business. And this one was about, you guessed it, emotional skills. And it was called 12 and a half, uh, the emotional ingredients, ingredients for business success. And in order to basically become an overnight bestseller, he sold these books in pre-sale and for every 12 that you bought, you got one NFT. So naturally his community, which had, um, had either appreciated a lot of value for the NFTs they bought at the beginning or missed the boat for the first round of BeFriends that were released that were now some 10x their value, was very excited to get in on this for a Gary Vee NFT. He ended up selling more than a million books in 24 hours and joined the ranks of only Barack and Michelle Obama, who otherwise have that record. And, uh, and it turned out to be over 120,000 orders of 12 books. A few months later, they released this collection and they kind of teased out a future series two. Like Gary had been talking about series two be friends for a very long time, but had been kind of mysterious about how many there would be or what the art would look like or the purpose behind it. And when they released the book games collection, they said that this would be the only way to access the series two collection in the pre-sale and and there's just so many dynamics to address like episode 200 needs to be like episode 200.1 point 0.2 point point 0.3 i'm gonna have to listen to this and and do a little editing and reflection but you know one of the things that emerged in the nft market in late 2021 was if you could get into a project early and get it at the original price, there was likely going to be demand for it at higher prices shortly after. And so getting in on the allow list or the pre-sale was a very good idea. And, um, and so that created a lot of demand for book games, even though it had more than 10 times the supply of any other VFriends collection. And um, it was a confusing time, a fun time. I feel like I'm in a Lewis Carroll novel. And... Um, and ultimately, that led up to the release of VFriend Series 2 in April of this year. It's very interesting because this Series 2 collection had a total revamp of the artwork. Like, you take a look at it, and it's much more animation optimized, I would say. Like, you could see it being a cartoon, or you can relate it more to uh, Pokemon or other kinds of, like, recognizable, almost childlike cartoon characters. Um, and... In the process of of re releasing that collection, he also burned some like twenty percent of the book game supply. There's started with one hundred and twenty five thousand. There's now just under a hundred thousand. Um, somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, "Jeremy, I'm lost." And the reason you're lost is because I'm lost. The last year has been a blur. When I now that I remember it, um, 
what's the most important thing to 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 bring it home? I guess what I I guess I guess I'm realizing this is a lot harder to explain than I realize, even though I do it all the time. And um and at, at this point, I would say the V Friends collection is uh the like the, the, the value I've gotten from V Friends is mostly centered around the community. And we're just now starting to get some indications of like music videos that are released on these characters and skits, like very early character ideas. There's still a long, long way to go. And it's kind of a good parallel for how early it is with all of this technology. Like people in this space, they like to say we're early. And it's sort of how I was referring to with a long view on life and, and, and regret and what have you. It's similar to like really zoom out and try to understand like the the period of adoption that we're at with blockchain and NFTs is is kind of like being the first person to have a telephone in their house. You know, before there were telephone lines across the country, before the technology was integrated into our daily life. You know, I think there's still a really long way before it becomes practical for an everyday person to engage with NFTs or blockchain or cryptocurrency for a reason that isn't just the greed and the financial appreciation. And I think there's definitely value in that. And there's, that's definitely going to persist as, as a value proposition. But ultimately, over the last, mm, call it six months or so, a lot of participants in the space, which is maybe like 50,000 to 100,000 people, have really redirected their focus onto the utility of an NFT. Does it get me into an event? Does it get me access to a private group or another collection of artwork? Um, what, is, what is the value that I get from it for holding, not just for buying and selling, you know, because that naturally creates a kind of Ponzi scheme. And we've seen plenty of NFT projects come out as a Ponzi scheme. Um, but all of that to say, like, the utilities of blockchain and NFTs that will probably be adopted by a large majority of the world probably haven't even been conceived of, let alone coded and developed at this point. So I, f I feel a little bit like a tinfoil hat when I'm like, yeah, I believe in digital ownership and like these things matter to me. Look at this picture that's like worth $2,000. Um, but I guess anytime I kind of get distracted and, and start to detach from this for what it is, I, 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 I get grounded by the fact that there are real people behind this real artists that are not at the scale of Gary Vee and selling out millions of NFTs, but there are, you know, like small, smaller indie illustrators and animators and storybook writers and photographers and video makers that are able to use this to like directly engage with their community directly. Um, yeah, directly understand who their fans are and, and, and have that record forever immutable or unchanging on the blockchain. It's very cool. Um, what a meandering podcast. Thanks for listening, Haley. We might, we might be coming to a close. I feel I feel distracted and in the soup of of uh, of 16 months, trying to cram 16 months into 16 minutes. 
So there's definitely going to be a take two. But I hope you got something from this podcast. Um, I guess if, if the question is like, what have I been up to? I have been um, curating information and resources about a very niche art project called V Friends for the community that engages with that artist and that entrepreneur and creator for a very consistent and volatile 16 months. And it was one of the best choices I've ever made. Um, I've met some of the most passionate, creative, and supportive people in my entire 30 years of life. I've uh, had the chance to travel around the country. I've even spoken at one of these NFT conferences. I spend mornings and evenings checking in with folks and sort of sharing almost in a group therapy sense, some of that volatility, but like, you know, like I, I had a friend fly me out for a birthday. I told you about the Christie's auction. I've, I've gotten to like, I've gotten to embrace people who I met for the first time, but felt like I had known for years in person at this VCon last year. And I can't wait for the next one. So, I'm, I'm just as shocked as you that I'm suddenly an influencer on Twitter. Um, I think from that Christie's auction where I had like 2,000 followers, we now have over 20,000 on Twitter. And it's shocking, but I feel, like, I feel like I know these people better than some people we went to college with, better than some people I've known for years. And there's always going to be some separation. There's always some distance. You know, Every relationship is different. Um, but I think what's happening in the NFT community is a very visible and accessible decentralization of community in the same way that you have sparse communities form around uh, a character in a TV show or a TV show itself, a, a region, an interest or otherwise. Um, those communities are now starting to form around ideas, creators and artists and uh it's a very, it's been very cool to be a part of, and I'm still learning, you know, every day what that means and, and putting into perspective what this opportunity is. It's almost like, you know, if you were, I don't, I don't know what the, what the best example is. It's like, if you, if you knew Twitter was going to be what it is today, or if you knew TikTok was, or YouTube was going to be what it is today and you were there in the first month that it came out and you had, you had an idea, you had access to those tools. Um, that's kind of what it feels like right now. And, uh, I'm grateful for it and I'm grateful to, uh, be able to share it with you. And so this is the 200th episode of my podcast. It's ranting, it's rambling. There's background noise. There's some 55 people listening to the live recording and I'm simultaneously negotiating the self-awareness that I've been talking for a long time but the overwhelming sense of gratitude that I have the privilege of doing it at all. And I think there's no better way to, uh, to be for this, uh, this landmark moment in the Jeremy Knows podcast. So I love you, Haley. And I love you out there for your time and your attention. This has been what I thought was going to be a really welcoming and easy podcast for people not familiar with NFTs. And it turned out to just be not just, but turned out not to be quite that, but rather a, a thoughtful exploration of the 
of what I've learned and the lessons learned over the last 16 months on the Jeremy Knows podcast, episode 200. And before I close it out, I want everybody to know that we're doing uh, several giveaways to celebrate this moment. There's a Twitter thread on my page at Jeremy Knows VF. There's some other fun things going on in VFriends update wise. Like there was a there was the Iconics collection dropped to Spectaculars this morning, and I'll I'll do a breakdown of that on a future episode. But um, my my main focus with this round of giveaways is to connect different subgroups of VFriends to each other. And I think a lot of people may feel like they're tapped into all the all the nooks and crannies of VFriends, but there's so many more. And so it's a non-exhaustive list of some people I really enjoy following, and I hope that you'll check them out and follow for the incentive of those NFTs I'm giving away. And uh, and please use the thread to tag other VFriends that I may or may not know that other people can get to know. And I will definitely be using that as a resource for welcoming new folks into the community and being like, hey, follow these people. It'll be a great aggregate of V friends following V friends. So that's that's the scoop. That's what's up. Thanks as always for listening to the Jeremy Knows podcast. I've been your host, Jeremy the Heart Trooper number seven. And I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>